Hello and welcome to episode one of Blokeology, the evidence-based approach to health, fitness and lifestyle for normal blokes. My name is Ewan Lawson and today's episode is all about running. It's for men who are just starting out. You may have tried running and it didn't work out for you or you may never have tried it. You may be running curious. The first season of Blokeology is all about getting you running if you haven't before. And if you have been doing some running, building some good habits and developing techniques and approaches that will stand you in good stead for the future. Let's get cracking. The first thing I wanted to do before we went too far was to tell you a little bit about Blokeology and tell you a little bit about season one as well. Uh, It's also, I should give you a brief introduction to myself and also to John, John Richmond, who's going to be speaking with me later. So blokeology is really an evidence-based approach. And as a doctor myself, that's the kind of thing that I'm really interested in. I'm sick to death with all the health, fitness and lifestyle garbage that's out there. We get bombarded with constant and often dubious scientific claims And one of the things I like to do is just to unpick that a little bit and try to base what I do and how I live my life and my approach to fitness on the best evidence available. Now, there isn't always evidence for everything. And in fact, it's often the case that there isn't. So we do have to negotiate a path. And when there isn't evidence, well, I think we try to apply common sense wherever possible and apply it on the basis of Normal guys, normal blokes living normal lives with jobs, family responsibilities, other interests, and make it realistic. So, Blokeology Season 1 is all about running. And I'm going to cover lots of different things in Blokeology, and there's going to be various fitness topics, eating, anything to do with health, fitness, and lifestyle. Mental health is going to be a really important topic to address as well. But Running's a big part of my life and it has given me enormous pleasure and has given me enormous benefits in terms of health and fitness. And I'm passionate about helping other people to to do that as well. And some of the best conversations I have as a doctor are when I'm sitting, having those chats to guys who just want to get a little bit more active and don't maybe know how to go about getting into running and developing a running habit and the kind of things that you need to know. And that once you've done and you if you're a regular runner you already take for granted the kind of things that will be useful to them so it's going to be going right back to basics you know covering initial approaches how we feel about running equipment uh, basic techniques some just some uh, issues around psych the psychological approach to running and you know and a few different other areas as well i think there'll be lots there for anybody who's interested in running at all And it will be particularly helpful to those who are just setting out on their running journey. Today, I've got with me John Richmond, and we're going to talk about our first running experiences. Now, John is also a doctor. He's a family physician, a general practitioner like myself. And he's also had an interest in substance misuse and addictions for many years. He's also very keen on self-improvement, and he's always looking for ways to live his life a little bit better, whether it's his fitness or his mental health or his approach to his family life. And I've always been really impressed with that with John. And I think he's a really 
great guy to speak to about these sort of experiences. The approach that we're going to take is as if we were telling, you know, imagine that we were telling somebody who hadn't done any running about some of our initial experiences and some of the initial tips. So that's what we're going to cover today. Uh, And the first thing I asked John was to tell us a little bit more about his very first running experiences. What I remember about running most is cross country at school. So, um, and I Mm. just remember not being able to do it. (laughs) So (laughs) I'd run, (laughs) I'd run for a bit and then walk with other people who were walking. And it was just a grim, cold experience up in Inverness. Of course. Well, you're right up in the north of Scotland then. So it's really, I I was down in the south of England and I remember it being a cold, grim experience as well when I was doing school cross country. And I Um, actually remember, I do sort of remember running on fields, but I also remember they took us on the road as well. I think there was like a route that included fields and then a bit around the road and back again to the field again. I think it might be a universal British school kid experience. Ours was very like that. We had, had, there was a kind of a couple of laps around the field there was a little bit of a nature reserve at the back, and yeah. then it came back through this, the houses back into school again. Yeah. And it was always extraordinarily painful. And I think I always reflect on why it was painful as well. And I think it was painful because I hadn't really learned how to run yeah. either. I just, you just went flat out. Yeah. And then, of course, you just then combusted. That's right. Completely. <laughs> just couldn't run anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was just agony. So the question is, what got you into running? Because you're obviously, you know, you did quite a bit of running now. What changed? When did it when did it turn around and become something that you wanted to do? Well, I, I don't know the answer to that question. I think I was running as a teenager because I can remember going out for a run from home again, went down because the school was just at the back of our house. So I went down to the school and ran around the field there. But actually, I was having a fag <laughs> whilst I was there. <laughs> so but I was running you know so yeah so I went running and then I do remember I also remember like being on holiday with my mum and dad in um, Port Patrick I think it was and going for a run there and having to run up the steep hill so I was doing for some I have no memory of it of what made me decide Mm -hmm. to do it I just know that I was doing it so but yeah. yeah And as a teenager, did you then get into regularly running a competitions or anything like that? No. Or was it just something you did a little bit of? Very much just a little bit of and continued to do a little bit of. Uh, and like when I went to university, I used to go running with um, someone every now and again. I think maybe regularly for a couple of weeks, then not nothing for a couple of months, then for a couple yeah. of weeks. And I didn't really get into regular running until... Um, I think it was until after the kids were born. So that, until after it was after I was thirty, and uh, I'd got I got myself a polar heart rate monitor. So, okay, yeah. so twenty years ago, so yeah. I got put, so yeah, it was yeah. all gadget driven. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so I, I want to buy this gadget, so I'll have to go running. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you're, obviously, people, you're obviously you're quite into your gadgets, John, yes. aren't you? That is a you you, you you like your gadgets, but I do remember I, I had a polar heart rate monitor as well, and. Later on in the season, we've got. Uh, I'm just going to planning to dedicate a show specifically to gadgets because I think they're mm. so they're such a big driver and kind of the obsession we can have with them. Yeah. But the one it's also it feeds into that polar heart rate thing feeds into one of my golden rules, which about running, which I'll mention now, which is people don't run too fast. Yeah. And one of the things that a heart rate monitor and those old polar heart rate monitors, which you had to lick before you stuck them to your body because yeah. they, so they were moist, they were horrible. It was horrible. Was that it taught me to run a bit slower? Absolutely. Um, 
And that was incredibly helpful to my kind of learning how to run. It was a revelation. Yeah. It was, because like, yeah. as I say, up until that point, no regular running. And I think going right back to the cross-country at school business, the reason yeah. you, I was doing so much walking was because I was running too fast. Yeah. yeah, you're running up at threshold where you're absolutely just filling your muscles up with lactic acid, yeah. your chest is burning. Yeah. You're clearly going too fast, aren't you? And that's what we all did at school. And what the heart rate monitor, and I think I was exactly the same, I was running in the 90s when they were heart rate monitors were just appearing. Yeah. Um, they they really taught you. And actually, it was almost embarrassingly slow, wasn't it? It was. I, I mean, that's like, what I remember, those heart rate zones. And I'd, like, I'd go running with someone and we'd, you know, we'd come to a hill and I'd start walking. Because, yeah. you know, well, the, 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 monitor, the monitor says that my heart rate's too high now, so I, I have to walk. Yeah. But I, th- I think that's incredibly important. I, you know, that's massively important if you're learning to run, that actually sometimes you need to walk. Yeah. You know, the start. And actually it'll do you... And, and it's about building that habit, isn't it? You've, if you just kind of thrash yourself and you get... You know, and that's my other... That is my number one golden rule is don't get injured. Yeah. If you get injured then you can't build that habit. And actually, heart rate monitors are incredibly good. Now, you don't need a heart rate monitor, of course, do you? So I, I, kind of, I haven't worn a heart rate monitor. I mean, you, I'm, you might still have one on your watch, perhaps. Yeah. I, don't, I haven't actually used one for years. Yeah, and I can see why you don't, because it is, you, you do start to feel, you could feel the intensity, don't you? So rather than just thinking, I'm feeling weak, you realise I'm at <laughs> threshold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. There's a scientific explanation for my weakness. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that's right. It's, it's about that conversational thing as well. As if I think I yeah. could just about speak to somebody. And actually, I have to say, I don't know if you. I, I very rarely go out with anybody else these days. I'm almost just for circumstances and where I live. I'm almost out, always out on my own. Yeah. And in fact, um, I, I, another reason that I don't go out running with anybody else is for that same reason. I'm a bit embarrassed that I'm saying that I'm going to slow yeah. down now and, and it just interferes with me psychologically on my training. Yeah, you know, so that yeah, that, yeah that's right. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I had to, I've got a couple of months ago, in fact, well, it must have been the end of last summer, I think. I went, um, I was down in Devon with some friends and I went out running with a guy and he was really fast. And, I, you know, and I'm still kind of, you know, 46 and I'm still not capable of saying to somebody, we're going too fast. <laughs> or I could barely get those words out, to be fair. But, you know, and actually I'm having a really terrible time here because it's too fast for me. Yeah. And he slowed down. I think he I mean, I think he spotted my purple face and slowed down a little. But it was still just a little bit too quick for me. <laughs> and it was really damaged my enjoyment of the running. And I actually I was really much more sore as well than I would normally be as well. Uh, the it's other thing is the, the other guy's probably going oh, I probably I need to run a bit faster to make it worthwhile you and coming with me there's all that kind of stuff going on <laughs> I know it's weird isn't it I think you have to have kind of an honest relationship with your running partner in that regard or <laughs> yeah. be very very closely matched <laughs> but that's quite um, difficult especially hard. if you want to beat them in a race <laughs> well yes yeah yeah if you've any competitive instinct kicking in you're in all sorts of trouble so um I mean, my running experience was much the same, I think. I, I actually learned to run when I was about 20, 21, and I kind of, I was at medical school, yeah. and I literally got a book from the library. I went out for seven minutes one day, eight minutes the next, mm. nine minutes the next day, and just totally built a habit mm, gradually. And, and I can't say it was a habit that, you know, 25 years later, I did every day. I was, you know, like everybody, terrible stop starter. Mm. Um with running and could go months without and then go through the painful process of trying to get back into it again. But um, I've been a lot better the last few years. I've been pretty consistent the last three, four or five years of mm. running. Um, and that has, that's certainly helped. But um, I think having one of my biggest things as well is my expectations are finally a bit more realistic yeah. about what I'm going to achieve. Yeah. 
What about have and, you had um, any trouble with have you had any trouble with injuries? Not really, no. I've been very lucky with my knees and ankles, and that's despite sort of fell running and mountain stuff. And I've always had reasonably good ankles for that. Um, I do remember when I first started running, I got hideous shin splints. Yeah, my son gets that. Um, yeah. yeah, really bad. And um, I actually, I bought a, I bought a pair of high-tech silver shadows for anybody, children of the 90s might remember them. <laughs> and they were just awful, shockingly mm. poor shoes. They weren't really running shoes at all. They were kind of like fashion wear. And I actually, I realised, I finally, when I got these terrible shin splints that I could hardly walk, I realised that the shoes weren't quite working for me and I went and bought a pair of proper running shoes. Yeah. And my shin splints totally disappeared. Um, and I've never really, I think I got them once or twice when I was in the army and we did a few, I was doing a lot more road runs, mm. but I never really got bothered with them again. But it can, they can be a bad problem to try and settle down if you start getting them regularly. So. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's really difficult to get the balance between continuing to run but not making them worse. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And and sometimes nobody wants to quite wants to um, rest for long enough, do they? No, that's always the the problem. How about you? Injuries? So I've had lots of injuries. So I remember again when I was doing that running at uni, doing a bit of running for a couple of weeks, and then off. Had knee pain then. Never had it since. Mm. Got a brace and everything, and um, right. it just went away. But right. um, then I started, so I did all my regular running, didn't really have any trouble whatsoever, but made them started to go into the running club um, locally. And it was that thing again, you know, people were running fast. Oh, I'll, I'll run fast as well. <laughs> and just really messed up my hip. So my hip started, started right. really hurting. And uh, also ended up getting cramps in my calves. And I've never really uh-huh. got back to... You know, I still have to be careful with those things. So I'm always I'm rolling my calves, stretching my calves, and I'm always stretching my piriformis and my hip on a regular basis as well, just to keep that under control. So yeah, yeah. that's funny, isn't it? You do a lot more cycling now as well, though, don't you? Yes. So. Yeah. In fact, I think the piriformis as well was a time when I I'd just gone to clip-ins on the bike and had been running mm. as well. And yeah, anyway. The funny thing is, I know that a lot of you know certain podcasts are very anti-cycling running podcasts, mm. or, and this is obviously not a running podcast. But I found that um, when I did a lot more cycling the last few years, it's totally it really helped my running, it made a massive difference mm. because I didn't seem to pick up the attritional problems of being out running several times a week. Mm. Where, yeah, and actually just mixing it up where you're still building leg strength and still getting the aerobic exercise. Actually, cycling is definitely. Uh, it's really good I mean I like it for its own sake but yeah actually has been really really good for my running Mm. overall so um, if you were speaking to somebody who was just getting into running what kind of top tips would you give them start slow yeah (laughs) go slow (laughs) build up slowly isn't it start low go slow I mean, I, I think some people when they start running, yeah, exactly. When start people when they when they start running, they they're, they're, I think they're worried that people are looking at them as well. Yes. And yeah. You kind of that self consciousness and yeah. I can I never think that when I see people out running. No, I just think hey, going slower because great, you're out running. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, nice one. Because uh, you don't know how long they've been running for. You don't know. You don't know anything about their background. No. There was I was I was reading an interesting little bit of evidence in the um, in a book recently about this about the spotlight effect. And that, um, where people think that you completely overestimate how much people are looking at you in any case. Mm. The chance that you think people are looking at you and uh, paying attention to what you're doing. But the sad fact is no one's really paying any attention. <laughs> That's right. 
<laughs> I, I have that that theory around uh, men's shoes. Like we, you know, we spend quite a lot of time yeah. choosing our shoes, but men yeah. just do not look at shoes. They look at women's shoes. Women look at women's shoes. I think. So I yeah. think it's worth it for them. Just make a good choice, but for us, yeah. <laughs> Just don't even notice, no. Um, so it's really, and they, they, there was this, that, this Gilovich, and they, they did this study where they, they put some student into a, um, a Barry Manilow T-shirt and put him in a room. Yes. And of course, the student's in a Barry Manilow T-shirt. He's mortified, really embarrassed. And then they, they took him out of the room under some pretense and asked him, asked the student how many people thought, how many people do you think noticed I was wearing this T-shirt? And he said, oh, it was nearly 50%, he thinks, definitely noticed. And when they went and asked the students afterwards, it was only just a shade over 20% could actually had even noticed it was Barry Manlow. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, kind of that kind of self-consciousness thing's difficult, isn't it? But most people just, most people just don't notice. And actually, if you're really pushing yourself and you're not going slow enough, you're really going to run into, I, I just think, I, I often now just really make a conscious effort to slow myself up because I find myself creeping back to this sort of threshold pace. Yeah. Which hurts me. So the thing that I did um, to make myself do that, because you can tell by, mm-hmm. you know, keep on getting these injuries and whatsoever, that I, even though I, my advice is start low, go slow, I, I, don't, yeah, yeah. I don't follow my own advice very well. No, no. And, uh, but what I did was I swapped to barefoot running. Oh, barefoot running. So I did that for about 18 months and... I'm telling you, you so, cannot... So to tell us, you, you, were you, literally, you weren't literally barefoot? Literally, you have the Vibram literally five? barefoot. So I, I initially got those five <laughs> fingers so that they're really... Minimal. Yeah, yeah, the Vibram five yeah. fingers. And um, and the, I read that book... Um, Born to Run. Born to Run, yes. Christopher <laughs> so McDougall. Said, he can do it on Aztec trails. I can do it on the streets of Golgate. <laughs> so, <laughs> so... And I'd seen a couple of people out, actually, I'd seen someone running barefoot really fast i thought oh right okay and i'd read an article in the guardian where tim was saying oh you you know you feel really in contact with the earth and it's a marvelous experience all right okay i'm gonna do it and i did do it and i'm telling you you cannot run fast (laughs) i don't know what that guy was doing (laughs) that i saw because he must have just been landing on stones and you know yeah so that's the big thing it's right it's no problem running apart from when you put the ball of your foot on a stone or you heal on a stone <laughs> and, yeah. um, and there are a lot of stones out there aren't there and so the 18 months when i did it i think must have been they must have just cleared the roads and then we had really good weather <laughs> yeah, for right. a long period of time and then at that 18 month point there was like deluges of rain which just washed stones all over the road and i go out i was going out running in the morning in the dark and it was just no can't do this anymore oh. yeah so oh, i just found you know i was just yeah. like tiptoeing almost <laughs> yeah do you see so you know I, I mean i only found this out recently and i hadn't realized that vibram got in a lot of trouble for those the barefoot running marketing they did around the five finger oh um, they were there was a class action lawsuit oh, didn't because they um they made all sorts of claims about barefoot running and what it could do and the science mm. and they all turned out to be complete and utter bollocks mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there was a, there was a, they had to pay they had to pay something like Three point seven five million dollars. Oh, really? Right. Okay. And it worked out as about sort of, I don't, I think up to maybe seventy, eighty, ninety dollars. Basically, if at any point anybody who'd bought some Vibram Five Fingers, and it may be worth, this may still be an option, <laughs> is you could effectively get a refund. <laughs> okay. Maybe not for the ones you that you bought to- after the class action. Yeah, but anyway. Well, oh, yeah, maybe not. Maybe not then. No, they'd yeah. have been more careful. Yeah. But that was back in twenty fourteen, I think. So they kind of, but it, that bit, that Born to Run book completely. 
Yeah. Um, it was a great book, know, though. It was a bit... Yeah, yeah. It tells a great story. It tells a great story, yeah. And uh, as I say, I, it, what it, the, it did have a positive effect because it made me slow down so that yeah, my okay. injuries all got better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, come not, come not a bit slightly unintended consequence yes. type of approach. Yeah. The, um, we're going to talk about, I've got certainly got another episode planned where we're going to talk about equipment and the barefoot running technique thing's really mm. um, interesting. Um, perhaps a bit like, it, you know, the, the story that he gives is really good in terms of, you know, the extra um, forces and heel strikes and things like that. But um, Yes, yeah. It, and it doesn't seem to be necessarily... I, yeah, I was certainly running with my knees bent because you had to be ready to cushion any, yeah. any stone, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely prepared for other things. Okay, um, and um, what? So you mentioned. I think we've talked about this. What, what do you think men get wrong when they go out running? I think that that kind of competitive. It's that instinct. competitive thing. Yeah, I mean, even against yourself yeah. or even against perceived people seeing you in the street. It's just it's all yeah, around yeah. you, and pers- and, and just seeped all the way through the tissues of your body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so no yeah. escape. So that so, that social those social constructs are absolutely we're steeped in them. Yeah, steeped. That's the word. And yeah, uh, so I, I think you just have to consciously be aware that that's going on and know that whatever steps you're trying to take to counteract that, they're not enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's hard. I think the other thing I would say is um, to surround you because one of the other things in kind of medical evidence which is really interesting is just how much we want to conform mm. and that's part of that isn't it that whole yeah. male thing but actually if you surround yourself by runners as well and you start building social like running clubs yeah. potentially really good for that though you've got to be careful about the running too fast thing yeah if you surround yourself by runners actually you're probably more likely to behave like they do as well and actually because we're so determined to conform yeah um, and that those kind of those kind of social experiments have done are really interesting about how insanely influenced we are by people that you know if they, they've done those experiments where they put people in a lecture theater and they've primed 99 out of 100 of them to give the wrong answer and the one person in 100 who knows the answer's wrong still goes along with it because they don't want to look like the odd one out and they've repeated those like across you know umpteen countries and with hundreds of experiments yeah we none of us want to be any different so the, the, the trick to that is with running is to make sure you're actually with runners rather than people who don't want to run or do any exercise yes yeah yeah and so that's kind of my other thought that in terms of approaching if you're getting into running is actually start hanging out with runners a little bit or speaking to people about running yeah um, is a really is a, again just a really simple nudge you can give yourself and I, I, as well I think I know you, you said you're going to talk about gadgets but also just buying some running orientated clothing I think yeah. helps because you said psychologically again well, I've, I've spent the money now I better do it there's, yeah, there's a problem yeah. with that there's like the, there's the gym thing so people will buy the gym thing but then not go to the gym yeah. But um, so there is a there is a danger that you're just wasting it. But for me, anyway, a, a good boost for when my running's going off. Well, you know, actually, I probably need a new pair of running trousers. <laughs> nice bit of kit. Yeah, and the, you know, the old ones are four or five yeah. years old now. I'll get a new pair. Yeah, I think it could certainly help. I, th- I think one of the things that that does it ties into that whole kind of measurement effect thing. That if you say you're going to do something, then it makes it more, it makes it more likely that you're going to do yeah. it. Yeah. Whether or not, even if you just if you get asked about it and then you say you're going to do it, and I, I think maybe you know the occasional bit of kit that kind of just it sets your intent a little bit, doesn't it? it? Does. And so it just helps, yeah, creep into that yeah. side of things. Okay, mm. 
Well, I think we're um, I think we're just about there. Okay. Just in terms of covering initial approaches. Thank you very much for listening. The show notes for this episode can be found at blocology.io slash 001. Please do leave a review and subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcatcher. Any feedback is very welcome and you can leave comments, send email or make contact with me via Twitter, Facebook and all the usual social media channels which can be found at blocology.io. Thanks again.